welcome to What Does Good Look Like? The podcast that brings you healthy care experts with unique insights into what good looks like and what you can do to get there. I'm Anna and I'm co-hosting this podcast together with Will. Last week, we met with sports and exercise medicine consultant, Dr. Kush Yoshi, to learn more about the benefits of being physically active. Kush also gave us an example of an easy at-home test to gauge our level of fitness, squatting. After a week of perfecting our squatting technique, we're now ready to learn more about ways of testing ourselves and hopefully get some great tips on how we can incorporate more physical activity into our daily lives. So is not being able to squat a problem in all age groups? And, and what can you do about it? Certainly in my practice, Will, I, I see people of all ages who are unable to squat properly. What we do know is as we get older, there is an age-related decline in terms of our muscle mass and our muscle function, which starts at roughly the age of 30. This starts accelerating, so muscle mass loss uh from the fifth decade of life, so from 50, uh, declines at roughly 1% per year. But then muscle strength, this starts declining roughly at 3 to 5% per year. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. If we remain physically active and we continue to exercise or we practice our squatting or we, we just start making those small changes in our lives, we can reduce this rate of decline. So, So to answer your question, it is an issue in all age ranges. There are things that we can do critically, but it is something that becomes more of an issue as we get older. Another aspect of this is the sedentary lives we lead. I mean, if you imagine the number of hours that we end up sitting, we're sitting eight to 10 hours because of our desk-based lives. There is some evidence which shows that certainly glute function activation starts to diminish the longer and longer we sit. Just checking is glute, uh, for those that don't know, I guess the glute is basically your ass. It's your, it's your butt, yes. So because we're sitting down for such long periods of time, our, our butt muscles, they're not being used as much as they should be. And so automatically, the ability to do a squat diminishes. It's not as easy. One of my big pet peeves living in London is you know when I get on to the tube in the morning, is this constant rush for everyone to find themselves a seat, and I just find it amazing. Everyone has slept an entire night, hopefully, and the first thing they want to do is sit down again, and we are in this constant state of needing to sit down, which I think also contributes to this problem of people being weak. And and I guess they wanted to assess. Uh, not just the squat, but uh, but potentially uh, how strong they are in their body. Can they do things like, I think I watched it on a BBC programme, things like the sit-down stand-up test? Yeah, that's a, a really good test that your listeners can literally try straight away at home. So the sit-down stand-up test, I think Michael Mosley, you're quite right, talk, talks about it in one of his programmes, uh, where you grab a chair, place it somewhere safe again, so against a wall, uh, you cross your arms, so you don't want to use your arms, your hands to push you up and down. And the idea is to sit down and stand up 10 times as quickly as you can. And there's some quite nice data around this. And so if you're less than 35 and you're a man, you should be able to do this in 10 seconds. As a woman who's less than 35, you should be able to do this in 12 seconds. 
If you're less than 55 and you're a man, you should do this in 13 seconds. As a woman or of the same age category in 15 seconds. And if you're over 55, both for men and women, you should be able to do this within 18 seconds. So that's a really nice, tangible way of assessing how you are. And if you're not, I, I wouldn't worry if you're not able to do this test within those time brackets, because all it means is you've just got to do more. And there are tangible ways of getting yourself fitter and stronger. But, but what's interesting about that is the sheer magnitude of the decline between, say, 30 and, and plus 55. If you can be doing it, if you're plus 55 and you can do it within 10 seconds as a man or 12 seconds as a woman. That, that surely must be quite a good predictor of, uh, of good health as you age. It is. And so there's data around not only, so we've been talking about strength, uh, the, the muscles around the pelvis, etc. But this is a really good indicator of one's cardiovascular fitness as well. And so there, there are nice graphs which actually demonstrate this. Um, and there are studies around this as well, where it's, a, it's actually a predictor of all-cause mortality as well. So imagine I'm a listener, I'm, uh, I've got a chair, I've done it, and my time is not, is not quite what I hoped it would be. Are there are ways to improve, and what kind of things would you do? So I guess one easy way of doing this is hopefully listening to this, you've been provided with the tools of knowing what to do, a simple way to start is if you want to be competitive about it is start doing it by yourself anyway. You know, maybe you start trying to do this a couple of times a week. Practicing in it in itself will help you improve. Muscles are absolutely amazing things. The more you use them, the better they become. They've got great memory. So just start practicing this within yourself on a weekly basis. If you can do that more than a week, uh, once a week, that's a good start. I guess it's important to know where your physical activity levels are already. So there might be those who already feel that they're physically active and perhaps don't meet the the timings that we've talked about. You know, they they may go running, for example, and this is something I do see in my clinic. This brings us back to what we talked about last week. Cardiovascular fitness is important, but then maybe someone's missing out on their strengthening part of their, their exercises. So working out the major muscle groups. And so it doesn't need to be in the gym. It, it very much goes back to what we were talking about last week about just practicing uh, squatting from a chair. And then you should be able to see those small improvements by yourself. I guess it's also um, balance is also important. And we saw a different version of it sit down stand up test as well where you actually go all the way down so you go and sit down on to the floor and then you're supposed to stand up again without using your hands or your arms in any way to get up it was fun so we tried it this summer with my mum actually she's uh, 65 she does a bit of exercise and she's quite physically active and she had no problem sitting down but standing up uh was actually quite hard uh i think mostly balance wise and so she got really annoyed and then she wanted to try it and practice many times because she felt this shouldn't be that this hard <laughs> i think a friend of ours uh, mentioned it to richard branson as well and he immediately jumped into trying it out but he's uh, he's phenomenally good for for nearly 70 yeah but it, it, it's a good point but balance I, I think we may have talked about this previously balance is critical and again there's this age-related decline 
And one of the big issues that we certainly see in the NHS, and it's a global issue, is as we lose that muscle mass, we lose just our general strength within our muscles as we get older, our balance also goes. And that's why we see the big problem within the NHS of frailty and falls, because people are just not strong enough, but because also that balance is going. And once those falls start occurring in, in our latter years, that increases susceptibility to fractures, which we know is really greatly associated with a great amount of morbidity and mortality. Is this particularly hip fracture? Hip fractures especially, yes. Well. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you've listened to this now, um, you do the test and you realise you want to get better. Are there any other ways apart from practising your squatting or just doing this um, these tests yourself? So I, I would put people in a couple of categories with regards to this. I think one thing we, we need to just remember is in the UK, 25% of people do not even do 30 minutes of physical activity. What I would suggest to those people straight away is just start doing a little bit. That might be something as simple as taking a flight of stairs, which you may never have done. Um, so let's say if you work on the second or third floor of a building and you're used to taking the lift every day, that doesn't mean that you have to walk the entire two, three flights of stairs. That can be challenging for most people. As opposed to taking the lift on the ground floor, walk to the first floor and take the lift from there. That's a really good place to start. If you have a very set commute to work where you've got a certain bus journey that you take from A to B, as opposed to taking that bus the entire way to work, is there an opportunity for you to perhaps just stop one stop earlier and get that extra, well, that extra, get that 10, 15 minute walk in? And can you do it at a slightly brisk pace where you're just a little bit short of breath, but a little bit uncomfortable, but not feeling too uncomfortable? And that makes sense. So that's for that side of things. Those who are already doing a little bit, it's just adding those extra bits in that think we've mentioned so if you are let's say doing 30 35 minutes 40 minutes that's a great place to already be at but perhaps can we just look at ways that you can just start adding a bit more the question i would ask is is there a sport or is there an activity that particularly interests you and is there any reason you're not doing that already how can we get you engaged into that have you looked at the possibilities around you and, and so it's just taking that friction out of things, ju just thinking about it a bit more and just looking for the motivations. Because like we've said, we know as we get older that there's that muscle decline. And so therefore, if we start just doing those little changes in our life early and start doing a bit more, we know that the aging process will be a lot more seamless and we won't get the issues that we get as we get older with regards to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, etc. And what about social support? So tapping into your friends and family? I think that's really critical. I think we know generally speaking that people who live in families where perhaps physical activity isn't the norm are more likely to be inactive. And so having those conversations with one another, making it a, a social event, again, it doesn't need to be anything crazy we, you don't all need to go out and buy lycra and buy expensive running shoes it could be a simple thing just going for a, a walk in the park to start with and just getting away from that concept of exercise which i know we've talked about previously 
If you've got young children, you've got grandchildren, for example, playing with them in the park, that is a form of physical activity in itself. And so you are exercising without even knowing that you're exercising. And I guess the social interaction is uh, makes a lot more fun. And, and we've seen, for instance, park runs have become really popular. And I think a lot of people maybe exercised more when they were younger. And then you kind of stop doing that maybe as you get, get older or you miss out on team sports. But at least there are other ways of getting that combination of physical activity and, and the social interaction piece. Yeah, I, I think as we as we all get busier in life, we, we just kind of forget about those things. In terms of one of the reasons people get busy is they obviously have children and they feel like there's no time for that physical activity. But it's really important for children to be physically active as well. And there, there are guidelines around this. So maybe looking at ways that you can be physically active with your children so that they get the benefits of physical activity, but you also get physical activity at the same time as well. Park Run is a great, great initiative. There are so many opportunities, so many parks which are actually delivering the service. So this goes back to your question earlier on. If you're doing a little bit, that's great. If you want to step it up a bit, which will be beneficial to you, looking at things like park runs are a great way to kind of start building up your activity levels even more so. They are readily accessible. They're really fun, friendly places. Lots of individuals go. You don't need to go with a friend. There are great opportunities to meet people there and start making it a regular, a regular thing. So, so, I mean, I think most of us know that it is important for your health to move more, but, but still a lot of people don't even get to that basic level. So in your mind, what, what are the biggest areas of friction? As a, as a doctor, as someone who works in healthcare, one of the challenging issues is just the lack of knowledge around this. I, I think we mentioned this previously. I think it's something like 24% of healthcare practitioners or GPs know about the evidence around physical activity and, and the benefits of it for, for our health. So if that initial education piece isn't there, then we're already failing in a way. But on the flip side, there is evidence to show that if healthcare professionals talked about the benefits of physical activity, engaged the general public and their patients about physical activity, in all likelihood, 25 to 30% of the population would. So that education is really, really key. Another really important aspect of it is it's just the design of our cities, the design of everything that's around us. We mentioned the tube already. Imagine if we took all those seats out of the tube, how much more space we would have straight away. But automatically on trains and tubes, it's designed so that there's seating, so we can get a seat and people rush for those seats straight away. And, and Muir, I, I follow Muir Gray on uh, Twitter. I don't know if you do. So Muir Gray, sorry, I shouldn't say, actually. And on Twitter, he commonly tweets about his train journeys and his tube journeys. Uh, for those that don't know Sir Muir Gray, he's a... Uh, great advocate for physical activity and he, he's been knighted for the work he's done in the public health sphere and he's I, I don't want to say this incorrectly but he's over 70 years old but he always tweets about how he when he doesn't get a seat on the train or the tube and he's standing and he's thankful to everyone around him for not giving him a seat because it's making him age better <laughs> <laughs> and so he's a great advocate for this as well so it's great that other people are thinking on the same yeah. line and same lines as me who have done this for far longer than I have as well 
then I guess to that point as well. So we talked about sedentary behavior having an impact on us in terms of weaker muscles. Uh, but what other effects can it have on our bodies? So I, there, there's some great research around this um, in terms of the impact of sedentary behavior has led to our lives in terms of bone health. So that they've looked at the bones of ancient farmers and women specifically. And when they did a comparison of the strength of the bones of women back in during the uh, agricultural revolution, those bones are said to be 30% stronger than the bones of modern day female athletes, oh, which I think is quite gosh. astounding. Yeah, that is astounding. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And if you take that back further, if you look at the bones of hunters and gatherers, so prior to the agricultural revolution, and there's no specific data in terms of how much so, but we also know their bones were even stronger than that of the ancient farmers. So you can see there's this steady decline in terms of our bone health as well. I guess a key point to take out of that is we, we've been talking a lot about exercise, we've been talking a lot about physical activity, but it's just about being less sedentary because what we also know is even if you are getting your 60 minutes of physical activity exercise a day, let's say, and you're sitting down 9, 10 hours for the rest of the day, that 9, 10 hours is going to catch up with you because you're still going to get the risks associated with sitting down too long, such as your cardiovascular disease, diabetes, insulin resistance, etc., despite getting that one hour of exercise. I think uh, Sophie Cassidy on, on another one of our podcasts mentioned the same thing, you know, the the people that go to the gym for an hour in the morning and then sit on their ass for the rest of the day. Yeah, she had a term she used that she called them active couch potatoes. Oh, that's great, yeah, <laughs> active couch potatoes. Um, but, but basically, I guess, to your point, it, it's great going to the gym and exercising, but you also need to think about just moving in your daily life and, and maybe design your life like that. Like you said, getting off a bus stop earlier, taking the stairs, well, a good, a good the new one is Google acquired a company um, where you can now, in I think it's in Google Calendar, I think it's still in a beta phase, but you can book walking meetings. You know, yeah. So, so you're really. just changing the expectations around you know, how you use your time. You still, I, 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 wherever possible, try and do walking meetings now as well. I think it, it actually is a much more uh, productive way of doing it. Yeah. A, a, a simple thing that I sometimes tell my patients in terms of I, you know it's important to try and get up every 20-30 minutes is one of the things we always talk about is drinking lots of water for, through the day actually if you start drinking lots of water you're going to need to go to the toilet a bit more regularly so that's a good way of getting up every 20-30 minutes because if you're just constantly needing to pop to the loo that's you minimizing your sedentary lifestyle yeah and topping up the water maybe if you rather than taking a big glass of water that you keep at your desk if you just have a small glass of water and you have to go and top it up as well then i'm going to tell you something personal about this as well that so so i've been having for a couple of years now i've been having a, a pt that trains the the swedish weightlifting team um the olympic weightlifting team so i've been doing olympic weightlifting which increases your explosiveness particularly your fast twitch muscle fibers which are the things you lose as you as you age and the first thing i noticed that i spoke to him was the speed at which you jump off the toilet <laughs> it really, it really changes. I know it's, it sounds ridiculous, but it was so noticeable. You know, just powering off the toilet in the morning. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with everyone. <laughs> okay. um, so, which brings us 
you know, my, my toilet experience, I think, brings us nicely onto the question of what changes have you made in your own life based on your work? So if, I, if I'm completely honest, um, I think university is a difficult time for many of us. You start, you know, you get all this freedom. Um, you just want to have a good social life. So my physical activity, my exercise levels absolutely dropped when I got to university. And it brings us to the point that, you know, I think you mentioned, Anna, about the social environment and in terms of people around you. And it was my brother, who, for a better term, just kicked me up my butt and said, look, you're 25 years old. Um, you're constantly tired. You don't seem to have a lot of energy. You put on a lot of weight. Um, are you happy with the lack of physical activity? He really went for it, didn't he? You do. <laughs> He really, and that's a great thing about siblings. You, you can be very honest with each other um, and best friends, etc. So, and he was the one who literally pushed me to say, right, let's start doing some physical activity. And I am very indebted to him to start getting me moving. And, and the crazy thing about this is for, for everyone listening, once you start making those small changes, once you start becoming physically active, you'll automatically start to see those benefits. Because you'll actually realize maybe two, three weeks ago or a month ago when I wasn't being physically active compared to now, I'm a completely different person. And you don't realize it till you start doing, getting those changes and you start getting those, those benefits. You know, now that I, I regularly exercise, I know my sleep's better, my mood's better for the most part. Um, I, I just feel generally far, far happier. Did, in my did you notice a change in? in the way you perceived yourself so you you may have thought of yourself as a person that didn't really exercise but but have you changed the way you, like you think of yourself as a an individual that regularly goes to the gym i think it's it becomes so normal and just becomes so much part of your life i wouldn't know my life otherwise um if i if i don't go to the gym or you know do exercise minimum three times a week i, I say gym because that's how i managed to incorporate it into my the, my physical activity into my weekly schedule just because of time constraints if i don't do it then it feels abnormal for me if that makes sense yeah. it, it is just part and parcel of who i am I, I can't get away from it yeah and i guess also for you working with what you work with and you really know how important it is uh, also helps you with the motivation the way i see myself and i guess one of the reasons being physically active is so important is that I perceive myself as a role model for my patients. And if I'm not physically active myself, if I don't seem to be physically active myself, I don't feel like I'm in a good place to actually motivate my patients and motivate the general public, as it were, about the benefits of physical activity. I think what I do like to do is I like to try different sports, try and do different types of exercise, etc. So certainly in my musculoskeletal clinics, when someone gets an injury from a very specific type of thing, I may be able to relate to them. Or if someone's interested in a certain type of sport or being physically active in a certain way, if I've done it previously, then I can understand a little bit more about what they're doing. So this is where I think this applies for all healthcare professionals. Anyone who's engaging with people around physical activity, it's important that we are physically active ourselves because we are the role models for our patients and for the general public. Yeah, and I guess there is a credibility issue there as well. If you're going to advise someone to, to do something, whether it's around exercise or diet, etc., if 
people perceive you as being healthy, um, more credible than, than someone, I mean, listening to someone telling you maybe to exercise more and eat better and they don't look very healthy themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's probably hard for you to relate to, you know, what kind of exercises, how they could get started, what kind of problems they may face getting started and, you know, really helping them out. You need to do it yourself. Yeah. So I guess, you know, yeah. if you're a user, you're listening to this, you're, you're thinking, I need to get more active. Um, are there any kind of silver bullets to get started? Or is it like most things in life, it's just lots of lead bullets? I, I think I think we briefly mentioned this in terms of, you know, the different facets of physical activity, you know, your aerobic physical activity, your balance, your strength. I don't think we talk about flexibility. So for those who are already doing, let's say, 150 minutes of uh, physical activity a week, adding those extra bits, you know, for example, a, a simple way to start would be uh, standing on a on one leg um, and trying to hold that for 20 seconds and see what your balance is like and do that on the other side. If that isn't great, then you might want to incorporate some balance type exercises into your, your weekly routine. If you're not doing your resistant type exercises, knowing that actually squatting at home would be also a really good place to start. But I guess the key thing to all of this is just start making those small changes initially. Don't start doing too much. Uh, and that's where I would say it, it's not necessarily lots of lots of silver bullets. It's those little incorporations into your daily lifestyle, your weekly lifestyle, which is a good place to start, essentially. Yeah, so the most important thing is to at least do something and then, then take it from there. Move more. That, that's, the key, that's the key take-home message. Maybe get rid of the TV at home for a week and see what happens. Cool. <laughs> that sounds... Controversial, that sounds I know. Very, very much. Well. Um, so I guess sports and exercise medicine is still quite a new field within medicine in general. But how do you see the future evolving for this specialty? Do you feel like it's getting more and more accepted? I think one of the things that's been really powerful to get the specialty known, to get people speaking about what we do, is um, the moving medicine a resource. I, I, I know I've mentioned to both of yourselves many times. So moving medicine initially was funded by Public Health England and Sports England. And the idea was to create a, a resource which allowed healthcare professionals, clinicians, nurses, allied healthcare professionals to have a seamless conversations around the benefits of physical activity in 10 disease areas, uh, which includes diabetes, cancer, um, inflammatory joint disease, and others. And it it's provides all the education, the information pieces around the benefits of physical activity in these disease areas. But the other side of it is using the COMBI model, which is around, well, everyone's got capability, opportunity, and motivation, but using that model to break down the, that kind of friction when healthcare professionals are having conversations about physical activity and, and just making it as seamless as possible. The reason I mentioned movie medicine is it's given us as SEM doctors the opportunity to engage with other specialties to create this resource. And as a consequence of that, people know, well, the, the clinical community know a lot more about what we do. It's really been huge to help us just disseminate that knowledge about physical activity, but also at the same time tell others about, you know, my great specialty, our great specialty. 
it's um i've got to say it's an amazing website and an amazing resource and it's at movingmedicine.ac.uk and what i really love about it is not just kind of a pamphlet and some information it's a really practical i think they call it implementation intention in behavioral science it actually tells you as a clinician what questions you can ask in specific time frames one minute five minutes ten minutes and and how to how to actually put a plan together with a patient and i think it, i think it can be quite profound actually if it, if it really spreads i think we may have mentioned this initially when you when you introduced myself so off this great work we i'm now leading uh, the pediatric module which is being funded by sports scotland and nhs health scotland because the the use and the power of the adult module has you know it's shown others how powerful resource this is so now we're creating the exact same thing for children in six uh, areas as well so including obesity cancer diabetes with a similar vein to make those conversations between patients and healthcare professionals as seamless as possible and you know you've already said the website's name um if people get a chance i mean i know i've said it's for healthcare professionals but even the general public there's no reason you can't go and have a look at the website as well yeah no i think we'll we'll link to that from the, in the uh, show notes as well and it, i think it's just going to grow i mean you see this now with um, pre-op so pre-operative procedures where you you actually implement exercise before an operation and the outcomes and length of stay in hospital and complications are, are quite dramatically reduced so i think uh, you're going to see a really uh, it's an amazing resource well done uh, so thanks a lot because this has been super interesting conversation and uh, we definitely look look forward to learning more about uh, moving medicine and the initiative there as well um i guess to wrap wrap things up a little bit i think what we've found out is that there is definitely this knowledge gap around physical exercise but hopefully that will be be closed in the upcoming years and i was wondering maybe as a final takeaway as a final word um in your mind when it comes to physical activity what are your views on what good really looks like one of the take-home messages i would say is for people just to realize that moving exercise can be fun as well. I, I think we've talked a lot about the health benefits through through these um, these podcasts. But what I would say is, from a mental health perspective, from a social perspective, it's a great way to meet people, a great way to interact with people. And once you're doing those things, and you just start getting those little bits of physical activity more and more incorporated in your life, over a very very short period, you people will start noticing a difference in their their quality of life and that's the key key thing just start really small but just start noticing the differences in yourself and compare it to what you perhaps were like a few weeks prior to being physically active and the hope is i I truly believe this people will start noticing that they are just generally happier and i'll say that's probably the key take-home message it's a really good message to end on i love it well thanks kirsh it's been uh, really good to catch up Thank you so much, Chris. There's a lot to take away from this. Thank you. With that, we send a big thanks to Kush for helping us further understand the benefits of being physically active, but also what happens to our bodies when we're not. Mood, energy and overall quality of life often improve quickly when we shift from a sedentary lifestyle to one where we're just moving more. 
and you don't even have to wear lycra. In next week's episode, we'll be using a slightly different format. Instead of having a guest on the show, Will and I will be talking about and sharing our experience of fasting as a method of improving health. So if you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the What Does Good Look Like podcast so that you don't miss this or any of our other upcoming episodes. If you have any questions, comments or feedback, we'd love for you to get in touch. You can reach us directly via email, podcast at meliohealth.com or if you make a post on social media, please tag us using hashtag WDGLL. And if you do like our podcast, please help spread the word. As you heard, social support is an important success factor. So why don't you share this episode with friends and family to get them engaged as well. Join us in discovering what good looks like so that you and your loved ones can stay younger for longer.